radiation treatment we've also found through the years does something kind of similar. So if there's a microscopic cancer cell in your body, when the radiation works on that cancer cell, all of these proteins from the cancer cell go into your bloodstream, your immune system picks up on them, and that actually allows your immune system to work on the cancer no itself. Way. Welcome to the Breast Cancer Podcast. I'm breast surgeon, Dr. Deepahala Harvey. And I'm Monica Brooks, a breast cancer advocate. And we are both breast cancer survivors. We're here to talk about all things breast cancer. From surgery to survivorship, we know firsthand the challenges a breast cancer diagnosis can bring. We are here to tackle topics that impact our lives. Let's get started. We are so excited today to have a phenomenal radiation oncologist, uh, Dr. Vijay Kuritpuri, and thank you so much for taking the time this morning and joining us. And I can't wait to hear all the things you tell the patients because patients just simply adore you and love you. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> it's a hard act to follow you, but, but I do try my best. Um, thank you both for having me. Yeah, I'm excited too. You know, as the patient, I have questions. I want to know so much because honestly, when I realized I was going to have radiation, I was actually more scared of that than chemo because it's like social media is that bless sure. and curse where you see like yeah. these burns. Like I was sure. so scared of burning. Maybe we could talk about what do you get asked the most from your patients? What are some of their big concerns? Yeah. What are some assurances that you give them through this whole process as yeah. well? Absolutely. Yeah. Let's get into it. So what's the common question you get asked? I guess the biggest question is why, Yeah. like what I just went through surgery, I may or may not need chemotherapy. If I've already done all this, why yeah. do I need to do this Yeah. on top of all of that? Especially because it's usually one of the last of the big three treatments that patients get. It's a long road already. And this is the last stop on this long road and naturally kind of frustration through all of that. It's natural to be fatigued by right. all of that. And so Usually that's the biggest thing is why. Yeah. Um, and the way I think about, I think about radiation and surgery, almost like best friends or sisters, they work together. They do things that the other cannot do. And you shouldn't get radiation in most cases without surgery. And oftentimes after surgery, there can be benefit to radiation. So generally speaking, that's how I think about it. Depending on what stage of breast cancer we're talking about, we know based on thousands of women who have been treated in the past, where there's a likelihood for microscopic cancer cells to be apart and away from the areas that we see on your mammogram or we feel on a breast exam. And the role of radiation kind of broadly, I think, is taking care of microscopic cancer cells that we just can't see mm -hmm. um, in either parts of the body that we've decided not to do surgery on or in parts of the body where we can't do surgery. Yeah. So who decides to do books? I remember when I, you gave me my treatment plan, yeah. you had chemo surgery radiation. Did you decide that? Or was my information already given to, or was it just a given because of my because staging? Because of the staging and okay. the kind of cancer that you had. So anytime a woman comes to me and she gets diagnosed with cancer, early stage breast cancer, if someone has a lumpectomy or wants a lumpectomy, because patients have an option of either lumpectomy or a mastectomy, and the same survival as long as patient is willing to get radiation after lumpectomy. So a woman who has a lumpectomy, small enough tumor to have lumpectomy, they need, absolutely need radiation. And it's the same survival as a mastectomy. Now you may be thinking, why did I get radiation? I had mastectomy. And then, so Dr. K, yeah. what do you tell patients then? And so again, it comes back to where are parts of the body that we may not be able to remove by, by surgery, where there might be some microscopic cancer cells. 
oftentimes that's the lymph nodes kind of underneath the collarbone mm. or the lymph nodes underneath the breastbone, um, which either if you try to do surgery, the outcome is going to be so difficult to get through or the side effects of that surgery may be so difficult to handle. So instead of doing that, a major invasive operation for those lymph node areas, we do radiation, which is, as you know, better than anybody, it's non-invasive, but it does require a lot of extra kind of work on your, yeah. <laughs> in terms of the daily treatments and things. So I usually tell patients like surgery and radiation, like you said, are sisters. So uh, it's causes local control. So mm-hmm. chemotherapy is systemic control. So chemotherapy will kill any rapidly dividing cell, any place in the body. So if the breast cancer cell escape to bloodstream or trying to make your home in the liver or bone or brain, it's going to kill it. The radiation is a very local therapy. So one of the misconceptions patients have is, am I going to lose my hair yeah. with radiation? Am I going to feel bad? And it's no, it's, and I ex- ex- describe it to them like as getting a sunburn yeah. in a sense where you have redness and peeling and sure. sometimes, and will, and is that kind of how you explain radiation to patients? Yeah. So just like you said, like surgery, radiation is targeted. Uh, we only give it to the parts of the body that need the radiation. And we try to avoid your normal organs as much as we can. So I usually say exactly what you said, that you're not going to lose your hair. You shouldn't get nausea or vomiting typically from radiation. But the major side effects of radiation, the one whole body side effect is fatigue. Mm -hmm. Um, And that fatigue, most of my patients will tell me it's different than chemo fatigue. Mm -hmm. A lot of my patients will tell me, you know what, Dr. K, at three o'clock, I just hit a wall. And no matter what I do, I need to take a break or take a nap. And then maybe it gets a little bit better. Some people will tell me, that's better than how they felt during chemo. And other people will tell me, no, the radiation tiredness really got me way more than the chemo tiredness. One of the reasons that that is, so although radiation is a local treatment, meaning we're typically treating the breast and the lymph node areas, uh, it does have a whole body effect on your immune system. And that's a primarily a positive. So if you think of um, a vaccine, oftentimes the way vaccines work is by giving you a protein or something that's similar to a virus or bacteria. And that allows your immune system to identify that and kind of get rid of that Mm -hmm. infection. Radiation treatment, we've also found through the years, does something kind of similar. So if there's a microscopic cancer cell in your body, when the radiation works on that cancer cell, all of these proteins from the cancer cell go into your bloodstream, your immune system picks up on them. And that actually allows your immune system to work on the cancer no itself. Way. I didn't mm-hmm. even think about that. That's so mm-hmm. fascinating. Yeah. It's yeah. something called the scopal effect. If you Google, if mm-hmm. you want more information yeah. about it. Yeah. And it's one of the reasons that we believe if you look at patients who get radiation after a mastectomy, it improves survival and lowers the rate of cancer spreading to other parts mm-hmm. of the body. Mm-hmm. We wondered for a long time, how, how is it that radiation can lower the rate of cancer spreading outside of the breast area, if we're only treating the breast area, mm-hmm. really it's this immune therapy effect, we believe. Yeah. So breast cancer is partly immunogenic. It does you know, promote immune system to act up. And I think radiation, especially for triple negative cancers, right? Yeah. Am I right in that? That effect is seen more in the triple negative cancer. I would agree with you. Yeah. And the times that I usually tell a woman, like when she would need radiation after a mastectomy is uh, there's multiple lymph nodes that are involved with Mm -hmm. cancer. If there's cancer extending to the skin or posteriorly to the margin. And so with the mastectomy, we remove 90 to 95% of the breast tissue. We can't remove every single cell. So if there is a positive margin, we don't know how it extends and it's microscopic. It's not anything you can see or feel, but then radiation can target that Mm -hmm. and then kill any microscopic cancer cells right in that region. 
So, but that is actually a great point. I usually don't tell, tell patients that, but that's really great to know that radiation does improve survival in invasive cancer. Because some patients do forego radiation. They, they choose not to. Yeah. What are some of the biggest reasons do you think or that you hear people don't want to do radiation? Yeah. So I would say a big one is kind of the time and travel commitment, Yeah. especially from people coming from long distances where they might not have a radiation doctor near them. Uh, it could be really challenging for them to come for weeks on end for treatment. So one thing that we've done as a specialty to try to help that out is do research to figure out the shortest possible treatment regimens. Mm. So we've gotten to a point for many patients may only require one week of radiation, whereas in the past, the historic standard was always six weeks of treatment. And so our goal is always to minimize the burden on patients from a physical, mental, and financial side of things. So that's a big reason. I think a lot of people are honestly scared of it because it's so, it's just so different from something that you hear about in your day-to-day life. Radiation though, interestingly, has been used in the treatment of cancer for more than a hundred years. Interestingly, radiation is as a specialty was founded by Marie Curie, one of the Mm -hmm. first kind of pioneering female scientists and I think the reason that radiation oncology, especially in breast cancer care, has been so focused on minimizing side effects, maximizing effectiveness is because of that long history of females in the field Mm -hmm. trying to push it forward. So in surgical world, uh, a woman, say age over 70 Mm -hmm. and has a small tumor, it's hormone receptor positive, her tumor receptor negative, less than two centimeter tumor. We have this choosing wisely guidelines where Mm -hmm. we forgo a sentinel lifter biopsy. And then what do you typically recommend for those women for radiation? And how do you pick a group of patients that would require radiation in that group of patients? Yeah. And so as you kind of pointed out, women uh, over the age of 70, the kind of biology or the reason that that tumor came about is often uh, what we call favorable or relatively lower (laughs) risk for cancer coming back. And so what we know based on multiple research trials done in the U.S. and Europe is that those patients have a much lower risk of cancer coming back in the breast or elsewhere uh, than a younger patient. And so we found that although radiation treatment still decreases the risk of cancer coming back in women over the age of 70, it doesn't improve their survival Survival from breast cancer. And the reason is in those patients, if a cancer were to come back, it almost always comes back right where we saw it, most typically on a mammogram or with a breast exam. And you could easily, if that cancer came back, do another operation and then do radiation. So there, like you pointed out, there is a subset of patients who the risk benefit ratio of radiation may not be the right thing. And so the way I talk to patients about that is I really try to lay out what radiation treatment's Mm -hmm. like, how we go about it, Mm -hmm. what the side effects are gonna be like, and then what they get as an individual from it in terms of benefit. I try to let the patient make that decision because they know themselves better than anybody. Right, right, exactly. And I think our job is to give them the information and then they make a decision for themselves. Mm -hmm. So what are the different types of radiation that women get, get for the breast cancer? So generally speaking, you could divide radiation into a completely non-invasive treatment or a minimally invasive treatment. Um, and so the minimally invasive things you may hear about for one is something called, you may hear the word brachytherapy Mm -hmm. or balloon treatments or things like that. That's a treatment that's still done in some hospitals around the country where, uh, especially patients don't have access to uh, a radiation facility. A surgeon typically will implant a balloon into the surgical cavity when they did a partial mastectomy or a lumpectomy. Uh, and then after the surgeon places that balloon a small piece of radioactive material about the size of a grain of rice is put into that balloon to deliver radiation right to that area where surgery was done. 
uh, that's a good treatment for some women. But what I found in my practice over having done that in one shape, way or form for maybe a decade or so is that there's a lot of um, cosmetic changes after Mm. that balloon procedure Mm. in terms of scar tissue, right where the surgery was done. A lot of women told me that they get this really uh, hard, almost like golf ball size feeling Mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. And that in and of itself is emotionally distressing Mm -hmm. when, especially if you felt your tumor to feel that for the rest of your life. So I've stopped doing that. What I think about is, would I let my own sister do something like Mm -hmm. that? I think it's a fine treatment, but you just have to be well aware of that type of side effect. Mm -hmm. There's another treatment called intraoperative radiation, Mm -hmm. which I also don't offer. Uh, where at the time of surgery, we actually deliver a treatment of radiation uh, even before the patient wakes up. And again, I think that's a really good treatment, especially for very rural patients Mm -hmm. who may not be able to to come. Mm -hmm. Uh, But we found that it does have a slightly higher risk of the cancer coming back. Mm -hmm. So those are two treatments that I talk to patients about, but I kind of put them on the back burner because what it comes down to is that if that was my sister, I probably wouldn't recommend that as my first choice. Mm -hmm. So the rest of radiation treatments for women with breast cancer are completely non-invasive. And that's something you may hear called external radiation. Uh, You may hear the term uh, whole breast radiation or Mm -hmm. partial breast radiation. All that is, is a non-invasive x-ray treatment where the x-rays are targeted at the parts of the body that were concerned that there might be some microscopic cancer cells that could be delivered in any number of ways. Mm With radiation treatment, the first step, I try to lay it out for patients. The very first step is something that we call the simulation, or you may hear the word planning day or CAT scan. All that is, is a day where we put patients in the exact same position that we intend to deliver the treatment. Um, So typically that involves laying on, having patients laying on their back in a device which keeps them still. Uh, I always tell people that um, if you're claustrophobic, your face is not gonna be covered. It's a big open room. For example, if patients have had difficulty with things like MRIs in the past, it's not nearly as um, tight of a space Mm -hmm. as an MRI. Um, It's not nearly as loud, but it does involve going in and out of a donut-shaped hole for approximately three minutes or so and laying on a table for about 30 minutes or so. Um, Usually there's no IVs or really any special preparation for that step, but when you leave after that, oftentimes patients have stickers on their skin afterwards. Um, and a lot of patients will ask me, well, we've got all this high-tech CAT scans and we, you're taking mm-hmm. x-rays and things. Why do you need these stickers? Yeah. On my skin? <laughs> yeah. It seems kind of like a very old, yeah. old fashioned Fashion way of doing thing. things. Yeah. Yeah. And really the reason is, uh, we want to minimize the amount of x-rays we have to take for patients when they're getting the treatment. And if we can line you up really, really well as a first step with these, kind of marks on your skin, then we might need to only take one x-ray to get you Mm -hmm. within a millimeter or two of accuracy and then deliver the treatment. If we didn't have these marks on your skin, we'd likely have to put you on our machine, take an x-ray, move you, take an Mm x-ray, move you, and just keep doing that over and over. So it's really for comfort. One thing I would tell patients, uh, no matter where you go to get radiation treatment, some doctors will advocate for permanent marks on people's skin. Oh yeah, I've heard that. I strongly recommend against that in all my patients. And I, I don't do that. And the only reason is when you're done with all of these treatments, I believe that having a permanent mark and a reminder reminder. that you went through all that Mm -hmm. is something that many patients don't want. That being said, for example, I had a patient who's an avid swimmer. And if you have those marks on you during radiation, you can't swim at all. And so So that makes sense for patients like that, you could consider a tattoo 
or one thing that we're looking at in my department is uh, almost something very similar to henna. Mm. So it won't wash off, yeah. but it will fade away over time. Okay. That's a great idea. Yeah. Henna is a great idea. Yeah. I because I have seen it. patients not here locally, but they have been treated elsewhere, sure. have these tattoos, and they had the cancer treated like several years ago. Right. And like you said, every time they look down, it's a permanent reminder of cancer. How do you describe to patients what's partial breast versus whole breast radiation and who qualifies for that? Sure. Partial breast radiation is exactly what it sounds like. We're only intending to treat the area of the breast where the, where the surgery was done and a small rim approximately, oh, I would say about an inch around where the surgery was done. In women who have a very early stage breast cancer, I would say a stage one breast cancer, meaning it's not in your lymph nodes. Typically there aren't kind of aggressive things under the microscope, like triple negative or high grade. We know that the vast majority of cancer cells are only going to be right around where Mm -hmm. the surgery was done. So those patients are a candidate for a partial breast treatment, which in my current practice is a once a day treatment, Monday through Friday for one week, typically non-invasive again, where patients lay on their back or lay on their belly. The treatment takes about 30 minutes per treatment, I would say at the most, after which the patient gets up and goes home. The main benefit of that is that mm-hmm. it's it's been shown to actually have a little bit of a better cosmetic outcome mm-hmm. in the modern way of doing things than whole breast radiation. And it's much more convenient in terms of five days versus a few weeks. Unfortunately for some women, if they have a little bit more aggressive features under the microscope, we know that there's a slight possibility there could be microscopic cancer cells somewhere else in the breast or the lymph nodes. And although we're investigating really, really short courses of radiation for those areas, my standard is an approximately three-week treatment targeting the entire breast or the wall of the chest and some of the lymph node areas under the collarbone and the breastbone where there might be some microscopic cells. So I would say the decision about it really comes down to our group discussions. And Mm -hmm. no matter where patients get cancer treatment, Mm -hmm. I would advocate that they look for a facility that has something called a tumor board where Mm -hmm. surgeons like you, radiation physicians like me, oncologists, and other specialists like genetic counselors, nutritionists, Mm -hmm. physical therapists all come together, Mm -hmm. review everyone's case and get all of our brains together to come up with the best treatment. Um, because really that's where I feel where I get most of our decisions. It's not really me looking at everything and making a decision. It's all of us collectively trying to come up. I love that. Best. You yes. just need the the brains on this from every right. different yeah. aspect on treating the patient. <coughs> it's not just changed so rapidly yeah. like we were talking right. earlier. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, so it sounds like with this whole tattoo thing, if, if, if a radiation oncologist is saying, oh, we're going to tattoo you. Is it okay to politely challenge for a different option? hundred percent. It's your body. This is your treatment. You have to be comfortable with everything. And in other places, not, not anywhere I've ever worked, but there are places where as a matter of habit, they just do this because Mm -hmm. that's what we've done for 50 years or so. But I would strongly suggest to the facility that you, we wouldn't do it. And I think most doctors around the country would be okay with that. Yeah. Um, The flip side is you also have to feel comfortable with the people taking care of you. And that might be an indication that maybe you would be better off looking for a a team of people who would think about things and put the patient first. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. That's a great point is you want to find people who are, who are patient centered yeah. and want to put the patient first. I mean, fortunately for us, you know, we have both, got, you know, had additional training in treating breast cancer patients, which is really great for the patients because we've just focused. I, I know I think you do more than breast. I'm sorry, sure, I misspoke, sure. uh, but I, uh, I'm fortunate to only take care of breast cancer patients. So I have the privilege of just 
you know, just keeping up just with breast. And that's enough in its own because right. there's so much that's changing. Uh, but Dr. Kurtipuri has, he treats every other cancer, right? You treat pretty other, other cancers as well. I do, yes. but I would say about half of what I do in my day-to-day -day practice is, yeah. is uh, the treatment of breast cancer. And so we're really fortunate to have a group of people who really are dedicated to the care of cancer patients, but yeah. breast cancer patients specifically. Mm -hmm. If I was looking for a radiation doctor, I would look for one who works in a group like that. Yeah. I would look for one who's offering certain types of treatment. So in the past, we used to have, I hate to say a cookie cutter approach to right, radiation right. treatment, but a very standard template of doing everything. These days, there are so many ways of delivering radiation with the goal of avoiding all of your other organs, which for breast cancer is usually the heart and lungs. Right. If I was looking for a radiation doctor, I would look for one who did things like something called prone breast radiation, which yeah. is something that we do at our hospital where for certain patients, instead of having you lay flat on your back, you can lay on your belly and that's a better treatment. Hmm. Um, there are other types of radiation treatment, something you may hear about called breath hold radiation. Um, as you may know, every time you breathe in and out, your lungs move up and down. Your heart also moves in and out every time you breathe. Uh, and in some patients, the location of their heart in relation to some of their lymph node areas or their chest might increase the risk of radiation side effects mm -hmm. down the line. And by doing this special technique, you can physically move the heart out of the way while you're doing the treatment to lower risk. So those are the types of things I would be looking for. If, if I was a patient of the family or friend of somebody going mm -hmm. through the breast cancer journey, I would look for things like that. I think it's important to seek people who are, you know, the specialists in that field. And, but again, I think uh, it's great for people who live in a big town, like, you know, I like know, not everyone does. But, That's what makes it so hard. Right. And if you're in a rural area, but like Dr. Kurtipuri said earlier on how maybe they can get intraoperative radiation, but typically I will, whenever I think of intraoperative radiation, I think of an older person with a small tumor. Right. Do you agree with that? I would agree yeah. with that. And you could reasonably make the case to not do radiation at all for yeah. them. So can I talk about burns? Yes. I want to talk about burns. So because, that's the other big thing. Yes, this yeah. was... Like I mentioned, this was something I was just really scared of. Mm -hmm. And I was convinced I had the max amount of radiation I could receive. Like mm -hmm. it was like 36 or 37 rounds. I don't mm -hmm. remember, but I was like, I'd asked around, everyone was like 20 or 25 or I don't know. And I'm like, I'm going to burn. Yeah. And I didn't, I mean, I, I yeah. you know, I did a little, sure. I was okay. So what is the most, like a max a breast cancer patient could get? That's a really good question. Uh, I would say in the modern era, the most typically that I would recommend for any patient is approximately six weeks of treatment or 30 sessions. Okay. And that may be very close to what you had in terms of burns though. I, people will ask me, uh, Doc, I've never had a sunburn in my life. Does that mean I'm going to be great through this? Or the flip side is I have patients tell me I'm a natural redhead. Does that mean I'm going to mm -hmm. immediately burn? Yeah. And I have no, no way to predict in any individual patient how that's going to turn out. It's similar. So it is similar to a sunburn, but I think the way it happens from a kind of molecular level in your skin is different. Mm -hmm. And so I tell people it's really hard to predict. And so that's why I see you at least once a week get while you're getting treatment to make sure that you're doing okay. Doing things like moisturizing the skin mm -hmm. preventatively helps minimize the effect. I think doing things like temporarily avoiding the sun or wearing a low clip blouse during radiation temporarily helps minimize the effect. Mm -hmm. I always recommend patients use certain moisturizers that don't have fragrances or alcohols during radiation to try to keep the skin from getting dried out. Is yeah. that usually uh, aquaphor? Usually aquaphor. So I think aquaphor is a really good mm -hmm. one. Um, 
some people will tell me it feels sticky. It is. Yeah. But you do whatever you have to do. Yeah. To, to get through yeah. yeah. that face mm-hmm. sometimes. Yeah. Some people just the, the way it feels, they tell me they just can't do it. So there are other things. A lot of patients like a cream called Remedy, mm. um, which you can find at most bigger pharmacies. And that's also a good one. Vitamin E oil, which a lot of people use on their incisions mm-hmm. after breast cancer surgery, I think is also great to use either during or after radiation. Mm-hmm. I've had patients use cocoa butter, which yeah. they like. Right. From my standpoint, as long as it doesn't have alcohols in it or yeah, harsh fragrances, yeah. it should yeah. be okay. okay. Um, and again, I will tell people, you know your body better than anyone else. So yeah. uh, if you've used a lotion that works really well for you in the past, it's probably going to be okay. I felt like I did every, because I was so scared. I tried to do everything possible from like moisturizing. As soon as my appointment was over, mm-hmm. I wouldn't let the water hit my, like, yeah. you know, to dry it out. Yeah. Like I also like moved my, move my arm to like keep it stretched. Is that something you recommend? Like movement? Does it tighten up the radiation? So I think a couple of things happen during radiation. There can be a little bit of swelling either in the breast or chest area in the armpit, which makes the skin feel uh, like it's tighter, mm. there can also be a physical tightening because of dryness. Okay. And so the two things that I recommend the patients during radiation treatment are moisturizing to kind of keep the skin from tightening up at the surface of the skin. I also sometimes will recommend things like gently massaging either mm. the breast or the chest during and after treatment to try to get rid of some of that. Um, what could just be swelling kind of superficially in the breast, but sometimes can actually be lymphedema of the breast itself. Okay. Yeah. What do you recommend for lymphedema of the breast? And have you seen that with radiation? I certainly yes. have and yeah. uh, in a, a good number of patients. And during treatment, I'll recommend that first patients do a massage technique, which is really difficult to explain uh, over, <laughs> over the radio or a podcast, mm-hmm. but uh, a lot easier to kind of demonstrate in real life. And if that doesn't help it very quickly, I'll send them to a lymphedema specialist, even during the middle of treatment, because I think the earlier you intervene, the better the outcome is going to so be. So do you just have them massage their chest into like towards the axilla and then the arm towards the axilla? Is that kind of what you tell them? Or Typically what, yeah. what I've always been taught, and you can correct me, feel free to, is I've had patients massage the breast almost like a clock. So starting in the upper inner part of your breast, kind of near where your collarbone and breastbone mm-hmm. meet each other. And then almost like you're going around the face of a clock around the breast uh-huh. and up to the armpit. And I've had some lymphedema therapists tell me after that to actually move the fluid from the, the armpit over to the other side. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I've heard that too, like to get, get it into the ready yeah. and just that yeah. way. Can, yeah. And yeah. it seems like that works really well for some patients. And how many times a day do they do that? Or do you recommend doing that? I, it can be so challenging during yeah. radiation treatment if the breast is aching and mm-hmm. yeah. the skin's uncomfortable. So I tell people, if you could do a couple minutes a day, yeah. that may be enough. Mm-hmm. Other people will tell me that they'll, they'll do things like a very, very gentle, warm compress on the breast mm-hmm. during radiation. Mm-hmm. Or like you said, some patients will try to avoid the shower. Other patients will tell me, I let the warm water kind of beat on it to try to get oh, some of that inflammation out. Okay. Um, so again, I really think it comes down to you knowing yourself better than, yeah. better than I can. Yeah. And I try to kind of lay all this stuff out there for patients, but I think patients are much better at finding their own way. Than, yeah. 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 Talk about missed appointments. Mm-hmm. Like what is the result? Does that change the outcome and their success with radiation? How does that work? Missing one or two radiation treatments in the course of, uh, I would say three to six weeks, typically 
is not going to affect your outcome at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why a lot of patients will ask me, well, Dr. K, if it's so important for me to come every day, why do we have the weekend off? Um, so that's a good question. It's a, good, it's a very good question. <laughs> a very fair question. Um, and yeah. the way that I think about this is if we want to go very kind of deep into the weeds of science, the way that radiation works primarily is by damaging the DNA of cancer cells. Um, one of the, what we call hallmarks of cancer or why cancer happens is those cells lose their ability to repair their DNA. Mm -hmm. So by doing radiation treatment daily, kind of approximately the same time every day, you should be able to damage the cancer cells DNA. The flip side is that is that you can also damage the DNA of your normal and healthy tissue. Mm. And that's why the skin reacts. And so by giving a couple days off after your Monday through Friday, you allow your skin to recover, but because cancer cells don't have that ability to repair their DNA, they can't they, recover. They can't recover yeah. So that's one question that I get from patients all the time. And mm. so hopefully that clarifies that a little bit. So mm. that being said, again, in Ohio, we get snowstorms all the time right? or things things happen. Your yeah, car right, breaks down. Right. You have an issue with your kids, something like that. Taking a day off in the middle of treatment for things like that is not going to hurt at all. Yeah. In patients who get really significant skin reactions, I oftentimes would intentionally put them on a week off radiation to allow their skin to recover. Uh, and that does not affect their outcome. The flip side is I'll have patients tell me, well, doc, what, what if I just do like one or two treatments a week? And because, because I have work, mm-hmm. I have kids, I have Mm -hmm. all this other stuff going on. And I would not recommend that if you stretch out radiation, I would say more than a couple weeks past what we intended to deliver, you end up losing effectiveness of the treatment. Mm -hmm. And so what I would hate to do is give people side effects of radiation and not give them the effectiveness. Yeah, that's true. So, you know, patients get frustrated with me because I say, I don't know how many weeks of radiation you're going to get. And so I say, it all really depends on the pathology and the mm-hmm. final pathology. And this is most often with the lumpectomy patients or breast conservation sure. patients. So I don't ever give them a number because they could be from one week to six weeks. And I usually say, we just have to wait. Why can't you just tell us? You know, they <laughs> know. Really get upset. But, you know, there are so many factors that go into this you know, until they see you. And even after simulation is when you actually know how long to do radiation. So from what I remember, like, as far as what to expect, you go in for the simulation. I didn't quite understand what that was like when I went in, but that's where they mapped me, Mm -hmm. the mapping appointment. I did get tattoos on mine. So I do have permanent marks. And then from that point, you take a look at everything, review the pathology, review me as a patient and come up with that plan. Right. For the radiation, how long? And one thing that's unique about radiation treatment compared to other kinds of things like medicines or pills is it really is uniquely designed for each individual patient. Mm. Uh, So we use your, so the, one of the reasons we do that simulation or CAT scan is we get a three-dimensional view of your entire body, both uh, the breast or chest area, as well as all of your internal organs. And so simultaneously after that simulation, we're trying to deliver radiation where it needs to go and Mm -hmm. also try to avoid your internal organs as much as we can. From that scan, can you still see if there's residual cancer left? Unfortunately, you can't. Okay. And that's the thing that I think is frustrating for a lot of patients, even before and during and after radiation is, well, how do we know that this worked? Right. Mm -hmm. We're treating microscopic things that we just can't see. And then there's no test that's good enough to tell us Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so a lot of doctors now are working on very advanced, what we call genomic mm-hmm. predictors, where you look at the genes of your cancer and try to figure out, is there some way we can monitor things that way? Mm-hmm. Or can we 
predict if you need the radiation in certain areas, but it's not quite ready for prime yeah. time yet. Okay. I just remember when I had my mastectomy, my margins were close margins. Yeah. They were, they weren't, I had, wait, they were, hang on. Positive margins. I had positive margins right, from right. my mastectomy. And right. I believe there was still some left on my chest wall, um, some cancer. And I remember like having to get radiation and not knowing, did I, did we get it all? Yeah. And right. it was just this, like, people would be like, are you cancer free? I would be like, I don't know. Like, I really yeah. don't know, yeah. but I have to live my life. Like I am, I'd, I'd rather live my life saying, okay, they got all the cancer versus, Ooh, I'm not sure I might sure. have cancer right now. It's just like a mindset I had to like, yeah. you know, live yeah. versus being in fear that it's sure. still there. Yeah. So, but the fact that you got radiation, that's good though. Oh, I felt, yeah. I felt like yeah. it was almost like a safety net in, in a sense, like here, here's something else we can do to help you yeah. with your outcomes and your treatment. And, and for me, it was like, sign me up. <laughs> like yeah. as much as I was scared, sure. yeah. I wanted to do, I wanted to do everything possible yeah. to get rid of the cancer and to reduce my chance of recurrence. So. Yeah. I mean, you know, for patients who have a lumpectomy and, you know, and they do have clear margins, they ask me oftentimes, why do I need radiation? You know, I'm cancer free now. The cancer is out have clear margins. But be doing everything from here on to prevent cancer from coming back. And I will also say, even in those patients who have had a lumpectomy, there may be calcifications in the other parts of the breast that we just didn't catch on yeah, a mammogram right. and the and radiation takes care of it. So when we say no evidence of disease, it's what we can't see, like grossly, we can't right. see disease. Because like a cancer cell starts with one little Correct. microscopic cell, yeah. one cell, right. and that grew. So it's like, you're not going to be able to see everything on these mammograms. So it's like, right. do what you can yeah. to like stop this. Right. Yeah. And that's why I tell you, I mean, and we talk at our multidisciplinary conference where sometimes women have really dense breast tissue. It's hard to see. There could be cancer hiding in the dense breast tissue. And really it's a good safety net to get radiation. Yeah. One of the big things about radiation after you're done is oftentimes you're left over with darkening of the skin, mm -hmm. uh, maybe dryness of the skin. Um, and sometimes I have some patients who a month after treatment, they come back and you can barely tell a difference between the two sides. Mm. I have other patients who it can take a year or yeah. more for that darkening after radiation to slowly get better. Um, and they're a group of patients who you can very clearly always tell exactly where they got, got the radiation. And so one of the things that's interesting to me, and we should talk about this maybe one day, I really want to design a trial for our patients using things to try to either prevent mm -hmm. or kind of reverse that issue, especially for women of color who have that, oh, yeah. who have radiation treatment. Mm -hmm. It could be so difficult to go through all of that and then have that reminder again. Yeah. So it's one of those things that, I counsel patients on a lot and I've tried, have patients try any number of things, but to be frank, I think the best thing is time. Yeah. Um, yeah. This is just a reminder of, you know, we're talking about, you know, treatment and things, but the, the person behind it, this is really hard. It's so hard. It, it's more than just cancer. It, it's, you know, the surgery, the mastectomy, the scars, the outcomes of the radiation and how that mm -hmm. affects your skin. It's just so much to it. Sure. It's such a challenging time to, to, to go through, but I'm yeah. so glad we have healthcare and people yeah. like you, 
yeah. and you to help us through that. And I can tell, you know, you're very passionate very about what passionate, you do and yeah. you care. And, and I often have his patients, our mutual patients come back to me and tell me, yeah, Dr. K said, if it was his sister, I would do this. It really warms my heart to hear that because we do think of these people as your own family. And, yeah. you know, we, I am now treating all these young girls and my heart just hurts for them. Right. My youngest now is 19 year old. Now I have a 17 year old daughter. And I'm, you know, I, and I, it's so hard to like separate out those emotions yeah. because you just think, oh my gosh, this could be my daughter. And, right. uh, and that's a lot to go through to an entire 19 year old. I mean, yeah. to go through the surgery, the chemo, the radiation it's unfair. and she it's hasn't just... even started her life yet, oh, you know? And so, uh, but I'm so grateful to work with people like you. Is there any other things that you want to say to your patients that you would typically tell them? Well, I would say if you're, any of your doctors bring up radiation, I don't want you to feel like you need to wait until after surgery. If it's something that's yeah. on the back of your mind, ask them to see the radiation doctor before your surgery, see them again mm -hmm. after surgery. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, that way, any, any question that you have could be answered and it could be a little bit more individual for you. Yeah. Call us, send us messages through the uh, electronic my chart mm -hmm. thing. We'll get back to you as soon as we can. Some patients feel like they don't want to be a burden or a bother, but that's literally all we're here for is yeah. for you. So, right. Right. That's, that's my big, if I had to say something to somebody. Yeah. Well, that's really great information. What do you recommend for pain? I feel like pain is a common thing in yeah. the patients. And the pain from radiation can come from, well, two to three types of things. There can be that acute inflammation because of irritation of the skin, irritation of breast tissue. Uh, and for that, oftentimes anti-inflammatories like Aleve or ibuprofen can be really helpful. Mm. Um, I do think uh, breast massage can also be very helpful, but there's also that kind of almost sunburn like pain in the skin itself. And I really think topical things are the best for that. So I usually will recommend for my patients, something called dermoplast spray, which oh, yeah. a lot of people use that for sunburns. Actually, mm. it's like a numbing type spray. Okay. Some people really love it. Other people will tell me, doc, it burns a little bit okay. because of the, that lidocaine, that numbing type medicine in it. So another thing that you many patients use are things like A and D ointment or desitin mm -hmm. and patients will laugh because they'll say, I used to put that on my baby's bottom. And now you're asking me to put it here, yeah, yeah. but uh, it can be really soothing. Uh, there's a lotion that I, or a cream actually that I use called Silvadine, mm -hmm. which the burns, can yeah. be really helpful. Mm -hmm. Is that uh, a prescription? It's a prescription. Okay. Um, but typically it's, it's a really, uh, it can be both soothing and it can but it cause a barrier to prevent infections. Mm. Patients will tell me that's very soothing. Um, after you get out of that kind of short-term mm -hmm. irritation from radiation, patients oftentimes will tell me that they have an ache in the breast. Uh, and that ache can be from scar tissue, either in the skin or deeper. Mm -hmm. And I usually start out with either vitamin E oil or oral vitamin E mm. um, for that ache, which is mm -hmm. a very potent anti-inflammatory and has been shown in some patients to really change that kind of short intermediate side effect of radiation. Um, in the long-term pain after radiation, really I think is scar tissue in the muscles or uh, that lymphedema of the breast itself. Mm -hmm. And really more than anything, I think early intervention and physical therapy are mm -hmm. okay. the ways to kind of prevent that. This has been so wow. helpful. Yeah. Thank you well, so thank much. You I love this. <laughs> you <laughs> you are, come back amazing. I don't want to like, I mean, I know I need to let you go, but I just don't want to stop talking because you were, you have so much knowledge and the way you delivered the knowledge, 
uh, is so easy to follow and uh, and you're so kind and so compassionate. So thank you so much for oh, taking the well, time today. Thank you us. for thank you for letting me come and uh, help out in any way yeah. I can. Uh, Deepa, I have to say that I feel the same way about you. I feel so lucky that we get to work together. Yeah. Uh, patients love you and following up after you is one of the hardest things I need to do. So. <laughs> You're, so sweet. You're so kind. Thank you. Well, thanks yeah. for joining us Thank today. You. Thank, Thank you. you very much. My goodness, Monica, what do you think of that? I thought this was so yeah. helpful. Yeah. And I think it also, what I also enjoy is this will be so helpful for people because it is one of those scary things going into, and I think we just see so much information out there that scares us. But I think if you just come from that place of empowerment, what can I do? What can yeah. I learn about my diagnosis? All of those things um, really can help you through this part. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I mean, he is so kind, so compassionate, so empathetic, and he truly, truly wants to treat the whole patient and not just the disease. That's and, so important. And it's so hard to find doctors like that. And yeah. so it's such a privilege to have him on our show today. Really so, yeah. Okay. And lots of great tips. And yeah. I've learned so much. I'm I gonna, have to. I'm going to write them down now. <laughs> <laughs> All the things he talked about. So I really hope our listeners also enjoy this. I think topic. so. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. All right. Well, that's it for today. All Thanks right. for listening, Take everyone. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.